Hello, and welcome to the Proof of Privacy podcast with Sam Harrison. Welcome to Proof of Privacy. I'm your host, Sam Harrison. As this is our first episode, I wanted to put my soapbox down on the ground for a little bit and tell you a bit about what I am currently thinking and the conversations that I would like to have on this show. I want to talk about privacy. I want to talk about the role it plays in our lives and how it forms an important substrate to so many vital components of our experience as human beings, as autonomous individuals. But Privacy is complicated. It can mean different things to different people. I'm sure that when you think about privacy, you will call to mind different definitions, different applications, and a swath of different connotations. And that is actually precisely what I want to see. And then I want to take those definitions, those applications and connotations, and play them out. I want to see where they connect to our financial lives. I want to see where they connect to our personal lives to our entertainment. I want to see what the implications of privacy are across all forms of human interaction. I am a science fiction fan. I cut my formative teeth on the writings of Frank Herbert, the missions of Jean-Luc Picard, the wonder painted by Arthur C. Clarke and Dan Simmons. And we are exiting a very interesting era of science fiction. During the 2000s and 2010s, most of the material that one would encounter in the science fiction aisle would be about some form of dystopia. Hunger Games, Maze Runner, Handmaiden's Tale. It can be argued that Ready Player One was dystopian in the extreme. Although, (laughs) to be fair, my Oculus-addicted 11-year-old may big to differ. Now, these stories were all about downtrodden humanity trying to eke out a living after the end of the world. Oh, and a recent author, Andy Weir, he may have given us two classics in the same vein, The Martian and Project Hail Mary. In these stories, in all of them, the sky is falling, the apocalypse is nigh, and the end of the world is coming, or already came and wiped us all out, teaching us a lesson in hubris along the way. Think Terminator. But The Martian is a great example of why I love science fiction. Because yes, the sky is falling. And what does Mark Watney do about it? He sciences the shit out of it. Now, I don't want to scare you. I don't want to scare you at all. But the sky is falling. Privacy as a concept has been so discarded, so maligned, that it is almost a point against you that you would even want it. Your privacy has been sold for nothing so that you can watch cat videos while other organizations make billions of dollars and manipulate you into wanting the next great pet rock. And this is where my love of science fiction comes in. I love the sci-fi where humanity is a positive thing, where we meet aliens, crazy galactic-spanning threats, even see ourselves as our own worst enemies, and then we succeed at overcoming these challenges. Through ingenuity, through persistence, Through teamwork and mutual assistance, we overcome impossible odds. We climb, we invent, we find that one way out from underneath the impending apocalypse. As Idris Elba once said, we cancel the apocalypse. And that's where we stand now. If I can just talk to one person and convince him or her that privacy matters, 
that they need to expect privacy in their products and services, I can postpone the end of worlds, but I can't do it alone. I do need your help. So why should you care? I believe in individual autonomy. It's my view that a life well-lived is one that has been determined by the liver. And my ability to choose can define me as a person. And privacy comes down to the ability to choose. See, all relationships between two entities are determined by what information is shared. My parents and I have a good relationship, one that is created and defined by the sort of details I give them about my life and the ones that they give me about theirs. My work and I have a good relationship. I provide it with the data and information it needs to be a better business. And I withhold information that would muddy the waters or make the business itself unproductive. My government and I have a interesting relationship. In principle, I provide them with income information, where I live, what sort of domestic relationship I'm in, and more and more and more. But then they go an extra step and try and figure out more information about me than I may be comfortable giving. But let me simplify this example, because we actually do this all of the time. The person I am with my significant other is not the same person I am with my parents or at the office or at the pub. I choose what information I want to share. And more importantly, I choose what information I want to hold back. There are degrees of intimacy. Everyone and every entity deserves a different amount of you, a different side. And you personally get to decide where those boundaries lie. It is this authority to dictate what relationships you have that make you an autonomous person. Now, the value here is not in the information that you share. The value is inherent in what you do not share, which is why having an organization hoover up my personal details that I have not shared and selling them to the highest bidder is such a problem to me. It creates a relationship that I do not know about and most likely do not want. <laughs> See, I uh, told you the sky was falling. We tend to look at the present through a rearview mirror. We march backwards into the future. But to be a futurist, to be a true science fiction person, we must be dedicated to improving reality. And to do that, we first need to clearly see where we are so that we can figure out how to make things better. So let's look in our rearview mirror. How do we get to where we are? In the early days of digital existence, what many refer to as Web 1, our experience was defined by our ability to gather information faster. The information superhighway, it was called. This was the read era of the web. It was defined by web directories, not search engines running an algorithm based on the topography of backend link structures, but a brute force attempt to catalog the internet into a yellow pages-like utility. The next phase of digital existence has been referred to as Web 2. We became creators as much as consumers. We were part of the artwork now. We contributed our social connections, ranked news articles, we supplied photographs and the commentary that Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit used to become some of the most powerful organizations in the world. 
organizations capable of changing the course of elections, hiding atrocities, and being the effective arbiter of what was acceptable criticism of science is and is not. And this is the right, W-R-I-T-E, phase of the internet. Now, we are just entering the own phase, O-W-N. And I am optimistic. We have remarkable capacity, us humans. We have the remarkable capacity to identify what we see as ironclad patterns in history. See how they trap and enslave us. And then we have the ability to shatter those shackles and free our population from those patterns. I sound a bit like a kook, don't I? But in this era of owning our internet, the brilliance of mankind has given us a system whereby we can track the ownership and the authority over an asset without any third-party verification in any way. This is blockchain, and it's still being built. Now, we know that the meta pattern is pretty consistent. New technology allows new powers to be concentrated into the hands of the few who first understand that technology. As more people understand it, a reckoning comes where the centralized source of power shattered into the hands of its broad constituency. Hopefully. But the nature of the blockchain space is such that we may just have the right people in the right places to put the right features in place where the concentration of power is both more difficult and more harmless. Is this true 100% of the time? Absolutely not. In fact, the standard status quo of get rich or die trying is still the prevailing motivation within many blockchain circles. But there are a few who actually believe in the myth of this new mindset. There are a few that say, no, this is my data. These are my relationships. I own them. You can rent them or you can have access to them, but only if you provide me with something of value in return. And these precious few are the ones assembling the features in blockchain technology that will give the authority and the power back to the individual user. And it all starts with privacy. Now, privacy as a concept, starts with the foundation that says some of this information you may be entitled to, but other parts of this information you are not. And I am the one who determines which is which. Now, blockchain technology has been built to be transparent from the bottom up, as that is what needed to happen to get us to where we are now. That's what we see in our rearview mirror. But the fast advancing adoption of zero-knowledge proofs is enabling us to verify the accuracy of a block of data without ever seeing the block of data. Let's put this in another way. ZK proofs can tell me that you are over 21 years old without telling me your age. You, the user, are now in control of your data regarding your age. I really can't overemphasize how important this is. This piece of technology is the science fiction equivalent of a deus ex machina, a god from the machine who arrives in the third act to save our heroes from their own hubris. Unfortunately, just because a piece of technology exists doesn't mean that it'll be included as default by those building your games, your exchanges, your NFTs. In fact, most of the time it won't be. And that's why I started this podcast.
Yes, I want to talk to interesting people about interesting things. I love learning and can't wait to acquire knowledge from my guests. But really, this podcast is about a pretty simple idea and a pretty important call to action. I want you to expect privacy. So that's my sandbox. Over the course of the next several weeks, next several months, hopefully next several years, you'll hear me interview leaders in this space. I'll be asking all sorts of questions, some about privacy, some not about privacy, but hopefully all of the conversations will lead to an enriching experience. In the meantime, subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your audio content. Tell your friends about it. Tell your grandma. Comment and tell me what you think of my interview style and tag people you would like to see or hear from on this podcast. I am looking forward to this journey and I very much anticipate being able to engage with you and creating this community where we all expect privacy. The podcast was written and produced by Sam Harrison. The master of editing on both the video and audio is our man, Danny Carenza. Artwork is produced by Darren Lau. Music was created and licensed by InPlus Music. I, of course, cannot do any of what I do without my team. So my thanks goes out to Peter Abillo for his tireless work in finding amazing guests. Daniel Pagan for always making sure the community is heard. Daniel Finley for his wordsmithing craftsmanship. And of course, my inspirations. Allie Ward, Melly Rubin, Chris Hardwick, Kevin Smith, Joe Rogan, Dak Shepard, and Mark Marin. You all built the path. We're just walking on it.